Well, as we do every single Sunday morning, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 9? Not that we open up Luke chapter 9 every single morning, but every single morning as we gather together, we open God's Word. We want to hear from the Lord. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So this morning we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to pray. We're praying that the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit we get to hear the voice of Jesus saying, follow me. And the question is, What are you going to do with those two words this morning? Follow me. And that's a question for every single one of us here this morning. Every single heart. Not even if you've been a a believer for 60 years or maybe you came here and you don't know anything about Jesus. Well, this morning Jesus says, follow me. And what are we going to do with follow me? Luke chapter 9 says this, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would help us this morning as we hear the voice of Jesus, Lord, that we would hear it loudly and clearly, that we would hear Jesus say, follow me. And just as we just sang, Lord, that our hearts would say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I freely give to Jesus, because he is better than anything else I would give my heart to. I freely give to Jesus, because he is more valuable, more precious. He's a greater treasure than anything this world could offer. So, Lord, let us joyfully Let us joyfully deny ourselves today and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus for the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every time we come to a crossroads in life, we have to ask the question. We we have to make the decision whether or not it's worth it or not. We do this with any decision, any decision. Decision we come to comes with a, a, at least in our hearts and our minds, comes with a a cost and and benefit analysis, right? In our hearts and in our minds, we, we get out the scales and we put our two options on both sides and we ask ourselves, what weighs more? Which one's more valuable? Which one's more worth it? We do this with everything. Say a friend comes to you and your friend says, hey, you want to start working out with me? And we start asking the question, is that worth the loss of sleep early in the morning? Is it 
Is it worth the soreness all day long? Maybe just for after five months losing two pounds? Is that, is that worth 5 a.m.? Two pounds? Maybe you're deciding in the middle of the night whether to go get out of your bed and go get the Oreos. We've all been there. Let's just, this is honest. This, let's just get real here. Do I get out of my bed? Do I go get the Oreos right now? The bed's comfortable. I'm already cozy. But if I get the milk and the Oreos, that would be, oh, that's incredible. Dipping them in with the fork. That's a tri- trick for y'all right there. With the fork, dip the Oreos in the milk. But I am in the bed. It could get messy. So you're doing the cost and benefit analysis. And we do this with everything. If you're deciding on a job, you're deciding on a move, you're deciding on a relationship, you got to get out the scales and the questions start running through your mind and your heart. Is it worth what it's going to cost me? Is it worth what I have to give up? Is it worth what I'm going to have to lose in the process? Is it worth what I get in return? What I'll gain, is it worth it? And this is exactly what happens when you hear the call of Jesus. It's exactly what happens in your heart when you hear Jesus say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Whether you realize it or not, right now in this moment, you start doing a cost and benefit analysis. What's the risk and what's the reward? Your heart starts getting out the scales and you start stacking. What is it that I'm going to be losing? And what is it that I'm going to be gaining? And the questions start rolling around in your heart. Is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth what it's going to cost me? Is it worth what I'm going to have to lose to follow him? What what is it that I'm going to gain? Is it worth following Jesus? Is the call of discipleship worth the cost of discipleship? Is the call of discipleship from the lips of Jesus worth the cost of discipleship? It's what happens in this passage when three men come to Jesus. Three men with three different hearts and three different obstacles that keep their hearts from following Jesus. But to be honest, as we're listening this morning, these are three different obstacles that my heart has wrestled with in following Jesus. And my guess is that these are three obstacles that your heart has wrestled with. That has maybe kept you from following Jesus. From saying all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely and joyfully give. And so my prayer this morning, Lord, would you just destroy any obstacle that would keep us from Jesus? Would you just crush anything, any sin, anything in this world could offer that would keep us from seeing that Jesus is better. The first thing I think we see in this passage, the the first excuse maybe, is this. I I will follow you, Jesus, if only. I'll follow you, Jesus, if only. See, this first man comes to Jesus and, and he makes the first move. He's seen all the miracles of Jesus and I'm sure he's heard Jesus teaching on discipleship. He, he probably just heard him say these words. 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So this man makes this bold statement with a whole lot of confidence. He says, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. It's almost if he's handing Jesus a blank check. Jesus, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to go anywhere. I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, wherever you want to take me. And this is exactly what a disciple should be. Every true disciple puts a blank check on the table. A blank check for Jesus to fill out in what he wants for your life. However, Jesus' response to him, if you've noticed, is basically, you don't really know what you're talking about. You don't really know what you're saying. You don't really know what this is going to cost you. His response is this, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's telling this wannabe disciple, you must First, count the cost before you come. Following Jesus will have no place to lay your head. Following Jesus involves alienation from the world. Many times hatred for the world. Following Jesus is not a life of ease and comfort. Following Jesus is not lifestyles of the rich and famous. No, following Jesus involves a lot of pain. And many times persecution, it can involve suffering. As Diedrich Bonhoeffer said famously, when, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the call of Jesus, to come and to die, to deny yourself, to follow Jesus. And you know, the greatest obstacle for many of us in following Jesus is comfort. The greatest obstacle for many of us following Jesus is comfort. I'll follow you, Jesus, if only it doesn't make my life harder. I'll follow you, Jesus, if only people will still like me. I'll follow you, Jesus, if only I get to stay close to my family, if only I get to keep my health. I'll follow you, Jesus, if only it comes with 2.2 children and a white picket fence and some savings in the bank and a summer vacation. As long as I get all that, Jesus, then I will follow you. I'll follow you, Jesus, if, if only. Let me ask you this morning, what, what are your if onlys? What are your if-onlys? Lord, as long as I can have this comfort. Listen, following Jesus is not a pathway to comfort. I mean, just ask the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter or any of the early disciples or the early church or missionaries today who are in the hardest reach places, reaching unreached places. Peoples or new believers who've decided to deny everything and to take up their cross and to say I'm a follower of Jesus in baptism in the Middle East. Ask one of them if comfort is king. Following Jesus is, is not a pathway to getting ahead, to advancing in this 
world, to moving up in this world. It's not a direct path to the American dream. Oftentimes, it's heading in the opposite direction. It's so hard, especially though in a world that's made comfort king. I mean, everything we hear on TV, everything we've listened to, where, where comfort has become everything. In a world where no one ever wants to be inconvenienced. Where, where nobody wants to do a hard thing. It's so hard, especially when we've been discipled, to, to pick the path of least resistance. To do whatever's easiest. To do what's most comfortable. Maybe if you're a young person here this morning, maybe you're a, in elementary school, or you're a teenager, or a college student. Really... Forget it, if, if you're older here this morning and you're wondering, what should I do this summer? Maybe, maybe choose to do something hard. Choose to do something hard for Jesus that you would normally say no to, but, but it gets you out of your comfort zone. Having that hard conversation with that neighbor that you don't know if they love Jesus. Because let's be honest, when, when someone asks you to do something, Every question you ask typically revolves around comfort. Think about it. How, how much time is it going to take me? How hard is it going to be? Will I have to go by myself? Is there anybody else that could do it instead of me? Who else is going to be there? Do I like them? Will I have fun with them? Am I going to enjoy it? What if I choose to go? What if I choose to invest? What if I choose to build that relationship, but I get nothing in return? See, comfort is king for many of us. And Jesus, knowing this man's heart, knowing all of his if only, he knows he doesn't know what he's asking, that he doesn't know what it's going to cost him. That he doesn't know the worldly comfort that he's losing. He says the son of man has no place in this world to lay his head. And if you follow me, you might not either. But the truth is, is he doesn't know all that he's gaining either. Because this Jesus who's calling you to deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow me. Wants to give you himself. He, he knows that you're gaining Jesus. You get Jesus. The, the one who says to you, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You, you can leave this world thinking that you're going to lose all the comforts that it offers. Lose all the things that you gain in this world. But when you come to Jesus, you'll find eternal comfort. Eternal rest that only Jesus can give. Rest from the sins that you thought could satisfy you. Rest from this world that you think was worth it. But rest, complete rest that your heart has always been longing for in Jesus. Spurgeon says this. Charles Spurgeon said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the saints dwell in their God and have done so in all ages. The greatest comfort you could ever find 
the, the greatest ease for your soul, the greatest rest that you really long for is found is in complete comfort in Christ. The second excuse we often hear is, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me first. Let me first. The, the next encounter actually begins with Jesus. He speaks first, and Jesus says, follow me. And if you've noticed, when we look at the words of Jesus, there are no exceptions. There's no asterisk right over, well, what I really mean is follow me. There's no fine print in your Bible where you go down to a footnote and it says, now what Jesus really meant was, not, not this, don't go that far, but no, what Jesus really meant. No, Jesus, the, the King of kings. The Lord of Lords simply says, follow me, and he means it. For every single one of us, he simply says, follow me, and he means it with, with no exceptions. Well, the response of this man we see in our passage is, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. It's almost like he's saying, Jesus, I have Another priority first. I have something more important to do at home, and then I will come follow you. Now, one interpretation is this man saying, my father is really, really sick. My father's really sick, so I'll come and I'll follow you after he dies. Maybe it's in a month. Maybe it's a year from now, but, but when that happens, I promise I'll come follow, find you. I'll find you in Jerusalem. I'll come, and then I'll follow you. I promise. But you can see that this is going to delay discipleship indefinitely. He's putting off Jesus until later. Jesus, I'll come around to you later. But another interpretation is that this man's father is already dead. Which one of the most important responsibilities of a Jewish son was to take care of the long funeral arrangements for your father. And so everybody sitting there listening to this guy talk to Jesus would think this is a reasonable exception. If there's ever an exception, this is it. This is an exception that every listener would have understood. It's not a crazy request. Yet listen to what Jesus says. Let the dead bury the dead. He says, let the, the spiritually dead take care of those who are physically dead. But, but as for you, for, for you who have been awakened to be a disciple, but as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, now Jesus is not heartless. Jesus is not a heartless Lord. He too, when we see him go to the tomb of Lazarus, what is he doing? It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus is weeping. Jesus wept at the tomb of not his father, but his friend. So this is not Jesus being heartless. Jesus isn't saying burying your father is unimportant. He's just saying the kingdom is more important. The kingdom is most important. 
Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to follow me as first. You have to proclaim me first. Following Jesus means there's a rearrangement of our priorities. The dead, they might have different priorities than you, but as for you, you who are alive, your priority is Christ and Christ alone, Christ first. One thing I often tell my kids, and I'm sure it sounds like a broken record sometimes, is delayed obedience is not obedience. Delayed obedience is not obedience. It might seem like obedience, but it's not obedience. It's the kind of obedience that says, I'll I'll follow you, Jesus, but, but let me first accomplish this. I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me first have kids. Let me first get a raise. Let me first move up at work. Let me first find a husband or find a wife. Let me first make sure my parents are situated. Let me first finish school. Let me first do something else. Now, if we're not careful, we could read a passage like this, and we could could nuance it to death. We could try to make our delayed obedience really obedience in our situation. Like for me, there's a reason that I could put off Jesus. But there's three billion people in the world right now who are dying without Jesus because of our let me first. This morning, I just want us to hear Maybe for the first time, us here, follow me with no exceptions. Simply Jesus saying to my heart, to your heart, follow me. I want you to hear it like Peter, who who the moment he had the, the biggest catch of his life, who hit the jackpot, who probably pulled in more fish in one day than he had caught in a year. And the Bible says in Luke 5 that when he got to shore, he left everything and followed him. See, the greatest obstacle to following Jesus for some of us is not comfort. The greatest obstacle for some of us is tomorrow. The greatest obstacle is Tomorrow, you end up putting off until tomorrow what Jesus is calling you to do today. And none of us know that we'll be here tomorrow. I I don't care how old you are. None of us know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Or we're going to be here when we finish elementary school. Or are we going to be here when we finish grad school. Or we're going to be here when the kids grow up. We don't have that luxury to put off obedience. All we have is today. All we are accountable to is today. And all the Lord is asking of us is faithfulness today. Jesus never once in the gospel says, follow me tomorrow. Follow me later. Follow me when you're ready. Jesus, with no exception, says, follow me. And again, if, 
If you're like me, one of our biggest worries is what all are we going to lose if we follow Jesus? What are we going to miss if we follow him, if we give him everything, if we surrender it all to follow Jesus? What are we going to lose? Well, listen to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says to the most anxious heart in the room today. What Jesus says to the worrier here today. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's a heart that says, let me follow Jesus first. Let me tell people about Jesus first. Let me, let me give everything to Jesus first, and then Jesus will take care of everything else. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Well, the final excuse is this. I'll, I will follow you, Jesus, but I wish... But I wish for something else. The final follower says, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Again, on the surface, this is not an unreasonable request. He just wants to go and tell his mama and his daddy bye before he follows Jesus. It's not, it's not a crazy request. In fact, if you go back to 1 Kings 19, Elijah, ask Elijah before he follows him, Hey, can I go back and kiss my family goodbye? And he does it. And Elijah is fine with it. And so I think what the Gospel of Luke and what Jesus is showing us is someone greater than Elijah is here. Someone who's worthy of greater allegiance. Someone who's calling us to total commitment. Calling us to absolute surrender. Who, who says in verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. It's actually the word usable. You're not usable for the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus could do nothing with someone who's trying to follow him, but continues to look back and long after what's behind him. Biblical scholar Leon Morris says, Jesus points out that the kingdom has no room for those who look back when they're called to go forward. It's pretty simple, right? You can't be headed in two different directions. You can't go north and south at the same time. You can't be headed west and at the same time headed east. And you can't follow with all your heart after the world and follow Jesus at the same time. He wants total allegiance. He wants complete Surrender. Where, where Jesus is now my compass. Where Jesus is now my north star. I'm not even, I don't even care about my personal desires, my will. I'm, I'm completely indifferent to my will because my heart says, My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's your kingdom come. It's your will be done. Not, not my will be done. But your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the heart of the disciple of Jesus. This, this is what it means to call Jesus Lord. Did you see what the man said? And He says, I will follow you, Lord. To call Jesus Lord means that Jesus is 
He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. It's pretty simple. Either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. And Jesus is making crystal clear when he says to follow him that he's not after double-minded, half-hearted, lip-service loyalty. He's after people that will follow him. Jesus says you must, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, the greatest obstacle for, for some of us is not comfort. And it's not tomorrow. The greatest obstacle for some of us is behind us. That might seem insane, right? Because surely it's impossible to trip over something behind you when you're moving forward. There should be no way to trip over an obstacle that you've left behind in the rear view. But the reason it's an obstacle obstacle is because you really haven't left it behind it still has your heart that treasured sin still has your heart we see this happen in the bible all the time remember lot's wife jesus actually tells you to do that so it's something good to do remember lot's wife the lord rescues her out of sodom And she looks back because her heart is still back there. And she turns into salt. Turns into a pillar of salt. Or or what about the people of God who who are redeemed, who are rescued from Egypt? They're rescued from Egypt. Yet in the wilderness, their hearts are longing to go back there. Wasn't it better? We had better food. I wish we were back in Egypt. The problem is not looking back to Egypt. The problem is longing after Egypt. The problem is not remembering your past. It's longing after what you have left behind. So so I'll ask you this morning, what do you keep looking back to? What do you keep longing after? What's your Egypt in the rearview mirror? What still has your heart? I'll follow Jesus, but, but I wish I still had that relationship. I'll follow Jesus, but I wish I could still use again. I'll follow Jesus, but I wish I could go back and visit those websites and click on those pictures. I'll follow Jesus, but I wish I still felt that way. I wish I still owned that. I wish I still, I wish I could go back there. I want us to close this morning by getting out the scales. Every single one of us right now, get out the scales in your heart and in your mind where you can weigh in the balance what's worth it or not. And see, what we typically do is we, we get out the scales, and on this one side, we put comfort on this one side. Or on this one side, we put money on this side. Or something from this world on this one side. We put treasured and secret sin. We, we put that relationship we don't want to let go of. We, we put whatever our heart can't let go of, the sin that we cling to on this one side. And then on the other side of this scale, 
we put religious stuff. We put being a good person. We put being a nice guy. We put going to church. We put serving others. We put giving an offering. We, we, we put going on a mission trip. We put something very religious. And then our hearts well up inside us and we say, why would I want to be religious when the world's offering me this? Why would I want this religious stuff when I could have all of this? But it's because we're hearing the call of Jesus wrong. Because when Jesus says, follow me, the emphasis is on me. When Jesus says, follow me, the emphasis is on me. Because when you follow Jesus, you get Jesus. And if you put Jesus on this side of the scale, I don't care what it is, he will outweigh anything that you try to put on the other side. He will completely outweigh anything that's on the other side that your heart is longing after right now. Jesus is more weighty. Jesus is more valuable. Jesus is more glorious. Jesus is more worthy. Jesus is more beautiful than anything this world could offer you. And the truth is that you'll never truly follow Jesus as long as you believe anything is better than Jesus. You'll never truly follow Jesus as long as you believe that anything is better than Jesus. Your comfort, that relationship, pictures, money, anything that you think is better than Jesus. So maybe you're here this morning and you're asking, why would I want to follow Jesus? Why should I follow Jesus? The simple answer from the Bible is because Jesus is better. Jesus is always better. And so maybe this morning you hear Jesus said, if you want to come after me, and again, he's saying that to every single person in here this morning. If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow me. Follow me. Follow me up this hill called Calvary, where on that cross I will die for your sins. And follow me into glorious resurrection when three days later, I rise again. And follow me into eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal comfort forever. Where our hearts will always say, you know what? Jesus is better. You know what's interesting about this passage is that it doesn't say how these men responded. It doesn't say what any of them do with the follow me. Jesus tells them the truth. And we don't hear the response. We don't see the response. But this morning, Jesus says to every single person in here, follow me. And what are you going to do with those words? Let's pray together.
Father, I ask that you would give people here this morning freedom to follow you. That, Lord, in our hearts would well up, Lord, not a love for, for comfort, not excuses to put off obedience, not a longing for some sin or secret sin, some relationship, something this world offers that can never satisfy us. Lord, would you free us up that we might say, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And Lord, that would they run to Christ? Would you help us run to you? To deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow you. Follow you up to Calvary where you died on the cross in our place. Dying the death that we deserved to die. And Lord, will we follow you out of the grave into resurrection, new life, new life that's satisfying, not that this world could offer us, but only what Jesus can offer us. Lord, so that we might follow you and proclaim your name and live for you every single day until the day that we see your face. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us all hearts by the power of your spirit that says Jesus is better. Jesus is better, and he always will be. Lord, would you do this for the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.